Welcome to Pocket Fiction by Steve Cook. Noctis Point, Chapter 36. Ariadne turned the page on her soft screen book, took a sip from her glass of water and wriggled, trying to get comfortable. You'd think the palace medbay would have comfier seats, she thought, and looked over at Alex. The reassuring pips and hums of the machinery that had, until yesterday, kept him alive, made for good background noise. A white blanket covered his still form, and his head seemed sunken into the pillows. A movement at the doorway caused Ariadne to look up. Natasha and Kingley smiled at her as she closed the book and beckoned them in. They'd visited on each of the previous five days, all three of them filling in gaps in each other's stories. A soft screen was up on one of the walls, and they'd watched together as Coordinator Tenevsky had been arrested on charges of terrorism and attempting a coup. They'd eaten together. They'd played cards, until Natasha had admitted she could see what was on them with her psyche. They'd watched Alex carefully for signs of life. "'How is he?' Kingley said. Ariadne motioned for quiet. He's sleeping normally, she said. I asked Sarah to get some coffee. We should probably stay here today. At that moment, Sarah bustled in. She had been invaluable in the days immediately after the evacuation, ensuring that everyone had enough space, food and clothing, things like that. Most of the Sykes had gone back to their homes, although a few, orphans and the few faculty members who had survived, had been given lodgings in the palace. While Sarah poured the coffee, Kingley and Natasha grabbed chairs. Straddling his, Kingley grinned at Ariadne. What are you reading, Highness? Just some reports, Ariadne replied, taking a sip from the mug Sarah handed her. Perfect, thanks. Have you two had a good day? Natasha nodded. A few of the staff from Noctis Point have set up in one of the buildings that's not being used, out on the west side of the palace compound, she said. Lessons will be resuming soon. Good, Ariadne said. It was a temporary measure, she knew. Her father would want them gone as soon as possible, but until then it was politic to be seen to help the Sykes. So, back to school then. Natasha pulled a face. Yeah, but it's not so bad. They'll be teaching us... <coughs> a cough interrupted her, and then a feeble voice from the bed said, Is there any coffee left? Alex! Natasha jumped up, nearly upsetting her cup, and dashed around to hug him tightly. He was pale, a light sweat already beading his brow but he smiled weakly. What happened? Ariadne leaned back slightly, letting Kingley come round to the other side of the bed. You've been in a coma, Alex. You suffered mild brain damage. She sighed, knowing that she should be sympathetic, but the words were out of her mouth before she could stop them. What were you doing, Alex? Trying to take on the whole spider army by yourself? Kingley rounded on Ariadne, but Natasha was faster. He was doing what any of us would have done. Then you're all a little foolish, maybe, Ariadne said resignedly. You're right, Alex said, shifting in the bed. It was selfish of me. But you're a princess. You've had power all your life. Until that moment, when they put the... The lab crew are calling it an AP field, Ariadne said. Anti-psych. Alex nodded. When that came down, I could do everything I wanted to, and more. I had power. I could do things... And destroying that AP field meant giving that power up. Going back to this. He gestured at himself. And I didn't want to be just this. 
I want to be so much more. Well, Ariadne said, getting up, if almost killing yourself constitutes so much more, don't get me involved next time. She nodded briskly and swept out of the room, Sarah in her wake. Alex sighed. I don't think I've impressed her too much. Kingly winked at Alex. Don't tell anyone, but the princess hasn't left this room for more than half an hour at a time since you were brought in. And wait until you see the rooms here. Luxury doesn't even begin to cover it. Alex smiled and levered himself up into a sitting position. His head swam, and he grabbed Kingly for support. Take it slow, Natasha said, gently pushing him back onto the cushions. She hugged him again, tighter this time, and planted a kiss on his cheek that just touched the corner of his lips. The sudden contact burned red hot, and Alex blushed. So, what have I missed, he said, to cover his surprise. They've set us up in one of the outbuildings, and Miss Trigton is taking lessons. Most of the faculty were up on the dome. We had memorial services, Natasha said, looking down. It was very sweet. I'm sorry I missed them, Alex said. Who? Principal Reeve and Captain Harris. Natasha grabbed Alex's hand as he looked away, eyes welling up. But you saved the others. They're alive because of you. Hopefully you'll be able to come to classes soon, Kingley said. We've missed you. Alex searched around in his mind for the connection he'd felt back on Mars, for the psychic power he'd been able to tap at will. He closed his eyes and summoned his SI, then looked around. It was a tiny circle, no further than the end of the bed, and exhausting to keep up. But it was something. I can still psych, he said, just not like it was back on Mars. I saw you. Man, that was incredible, Kingley said, and whistled. If you ever work out how to use your psych without being in an anti-whatever field, you'll be something crazy on the battlefield. Let's hope there aren't any more battlefields, Natasha said. Alex smiled. There must be other stuff I've missed. Any gossip? Well, Natasha said, before launching into a blow-by-blow account of the past week. Alex relaxed against the pillow, letting her voice wash over him, and basked in the glow of safety. Ariadne stared hard into her father's eyes. They were like two chips of flint, unyielding. People died up there, she snapped. Good people, adults, children. They weren't citizens of the Empire, Emperor Cutter said. And as for this talk of reclaiming Noctis Point, there's nothing left to reclaim. It's a ring of ash and corpses. I'm saying that this war is destructive, pointless. Ariadne tapped on her soft screen and turned it round so that he could see the graph on it. This is the projected casualties should the spiders come to Earth. This is a month's worth. She tapped again. Two months' worth. In the millions, father. We are not prepared. The only reason we've got time to think about it is because the Sykes made a stand. We have orbital weapons. They're not enough. Their fleet was... They could roll over us at any moment. Don't you see? They were alone in the council room and every word she spoke echoed around, sounding more shrill as they came back at her. He leaned forwards. Our scouts have found the machine. Ariadne froze for a moment. How had she not known about this? Remote ships found an anomalous trail of radiation, not dissimilar from our own half-light engines, last recorded when the machine left Earth, the Emperor said, thumbing a switch on his chair. A hollow projector came to life beside them, displaying a detailed image of the machine. It was larger now, less spherical, two deep hollows in one side. 
What good does that do us? We can't destroy it, that much is clear. What is clear is that the spiders are reliant on the technology it provides, the Emperor said, cutting her off. Why threaten when we can follow through? Destroying it will be like cutting the head off of a snake. The body will writhe for a while, but eventually it will quieten. It knows you found it, Ariadne said. It's hidden from us all this time. Why would it make a mistake now? Perhaps it senses things coming to a logical conclusion, the Emperor mused. Or perhaps you give it too much credit. And what about the Jovians? The spiders? If the machine is the head, the spiders are the body. They'll be a lot easier to subdue once the intelligence behind them is gone. And then... He tapped a command into the soft screen in front of him, and the hollow projector changed to a video of a spider in a small concrete room. It looked incongruous, dressed in an apron and a sort of kilt-like arrangement. In its thick fingers it held a broom, and it was clumsily sweeping. As it got to one end of the room it turned, and began to work its way back again. Ariadne walked closer. What? What is this? They put hardware in their heads to help them kill. I've simply repurposed that hardware, the Emperor said. The spider turned again, and Ariadne took in the ugly prosthetic that seemed to burst out of its forehead. Its eyes were dead, passive, and there was nothing to suggest that it was aware of anything but its job. This is slavery, Ariadne said, suddenly cold. It's barbaric. One of these on every street corner, the Emperor said, sweeping, tidying, trimming, recycling, maybe even fighting. Won't that be an interesting tactic? It turns out that they're exceptionally easy to maintain. They're a hardy race, ideal for re-education. Ariadne backed away from the projection. I won't be a part of this. I'll fight it. What will you do? Free them? There's nothing in there to free anymore, Ariadne. Quite brain dead. Her father raised one eyebrow. Really, Ariadne, I thought you'd be happier. I've saved this spider from death and given it a purpose. This is worse than death, Ariadne said. This is wrong. You're wrong. With every word, she backed further away, and a moment before hot tears of anger sprang to her eyes, she turned and ran from the chamber. Sarah found her ten minutes later, angrily stuffing clothing into a bag. Ariadne, what's wrong? I'm leaving, Ariadne said. I don't expect you to come with me. Where are you going? What's happened? I'm going to Jupiter. Ariadne paused, her heart breaking. Father's sending me on a secret mission to make peace. He's told me to go alone. That's fantastic. Sarah hugged Ariadne tightly. But you'll need help. I'm coming with you. She held her finger up. Don't say another word. I'll get my things and meet you at the shuttle. Ariadne watched Sarah go, knowing that any orders, anything she said, would be useless. She walked over to the window, looking out over the lawns of the palace, and tried to absorb the view with every pore. She closed her eyes, writing every feeling, every sound, every emotion flowing through her into her memory of this moment. Then, shouldering her bag, Ariadne left closing the door securely behind her. You've been listening to chapter 36, the final chapter in my novel Noctis Point. I would love to know your comments on this series. You can check out more of my work at stevecookfiction.com 
where you'll find more episodes, blogging about writing, and short stories. You'll also find a contact form. It would be great to hear from you.